بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا نبينا ومولانا محمد المبارك صلى الله سوره الشورى سوره نمبر 42 ايه نمبر 21 أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم أم لهم الشركاء شرعوا لهم من الدين ما لم يأذن به الله ولولا كلمة الفصل قضي بينهم وإن الظالمين لهم عذاب أليم الله سبحانه وتعالى is addressing those who worship others besides Allah and all those who seem to think that they may receive law and legislation from any other source besides Allah that they feel that idols and how they have supposedly appropriated divine attributes into the idols and how these idols will give them authority to decide which law is good and which law is bad. Or it could be in reference to anyone else who feels that they don't need any divine guidance in terms of law, in terms of legislation. Or do they have any partners who have then given them permission about deen, that they have prescribed something about their way of life and their deen, that Allah has not given them permission to do so? That whether it's an ideology based on secularism or pragmatism, or hedonism, or any other ism uh, that you wish to think of, either today or before today, that these ideologies and these idols give them inspiration as to how they should decide what is right and what is wrong in terms of uh, legal behavior. Had it not been for the deciding word, then the matter would have been resolved and they would have been punished. And indeed, those who are wrongdoers, for them there is a very painful and doomful punishment and so on. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that in terms of governance, in terms of ruling, in terms of legislation, etc., you need divine guidance and divine inspiration that comes to you from above because you are not privy to the consequences of your actions after you die because there's no empirical paradigm or platform from which you may know the outcome of your deeds and the outcome of your actions since no one's been there and come back. So since there's no one there to tell you, then the person or the being who is able 
to see and know what happens after you die is Allah, uh, then he is the one who should prescribe the law for you, at least uh, in theory. Hmm. Yeah. And that must be then received by a human being who then addresses those issues and that gives you the ability to understand how to implement and apply divine law, etc. So those who do not do this, Allah is calling them al-dhalimeen, wrongdoers, and even perhaps unjust. So the Qur'an's emphasis is to see life in its totality, comprehensively, completely, where life expands and continues after death. Okay, so you don't know how to build a life after death, and that is why you need someone to tell you how to build that life, and that is Allah. And if you don't do that, then you are wrongdoers, and eventually that will catch up to you. And since you will not know, uh, you won't have the ability or the stock, mm. the portfolio that allows you to build a life after you die, then the only other alternative is punishment instead of a good life. In that sense, Allahumma adabun alim is a natural effect of them not applying the laws of Allah in this world. As mentioned in the previous ayah, where Allah says, whoever wants the farm and the agriculture of the hereafter, uh, and whoever does not want the hereafter, and so on. So you must combine both worlds, this world and the hereafter, and then uh, prepare yourselves in line with good life here and a good life there. But the only way you'll know how to have a good life after you die is if you know what's happening and if you accept what's happening there. But if you don't, then your system will be incomplete. And with any incomplete system, eventually you will fail. Yeah, so if you plan for 20 years of your life, but you haven't planned for retirement and you get to retirement without planning and there's nothing there, you have no assets, then there is painful doom, there's punishment there. Mm. So it's the same thing, it's cause and effect. Yeah. So in order for you to have a good life in the hereafter, you need to know what Allah wants you to do here. And that is called Allah's law. So it's only after, you know, through affection and concern for your life in this world and the hereafter that Allah is prescribing you these laws these ahkam, as we call them in Sharia. It has to do with your life and your well-being. It has nothing to do with Allah. Allah doesn't benefit from you doing or not doing. And you will see that those who are wrongdoers and unjust, they will be now, uh, we call it uh, fearful, mushfiqeen. Mm. they will be concerned and fearful about what they have earned. And what they have earned definitely is بهم, going to occur upon them. 
Okay, so their failures will come back to haunt them. Then their inability to plan for the hereafter will definitely hurt them. And that is how you will see them concerned on the Day of Judgment about what's going to, to be their plight and what's going to happen to them. And as for those who believe and do good deeds, meaning that they believe in Allah and His rules and His commandments and they apply them through their good deeds, then they will be roaming around in the meadows of Jannat, many gardens, many, many orchards and gardens and places of comfort and serenity and all of that, peaceful settings and peaceful environment and luxurious items of comfort and of food. For them, there'll be whatever they desire with their Lord. Their Lord will give them whatever they desire and then their Lord will inspire them to desire more and more and more. Yeah. So now in life, obviously, in this world, is about earning, is about hard work, is about applying rules and regulations and law, and is about self-restraint and everything else. And with that, you have the ability to live hopefully a decent life uh, that you still eat and you still sleep and you still drink and you still live comfortably and you still wear nice clothes, etc. You still have relationships with people. Even though you are following the laws of Allah, you still have what the Quran terms, hayatan tayyiba, a good pure life. Doesn't mean to say that you're miserable in this world either. But in the other world, when you have to live for eternity, you need a lot of stock. You need a huge portfolio. So in this world, you need a million, two million dollars to live for a few good years. What do you need for eternity? So that's Amir al-Salihat, Iman, and good deeds. They are your stock. That's your portfolio. Uh, they will now give you returns for eternity and it will be continuous and perpetual reward. And on top of that, Allah will give whatever your heart desires in the Rabbihim with their Lord. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, just want to expand on the idea that in Jannah you become very creative. You don't leave a boring life in Jannah. Jannah is not a place for those who are uncreative and those who don't expand their imagination and so on. Yeah. So we must uh, assume that Jannat is a place of immense creativity and Allah will inspire creativity within the minds of all people in Jannah. So they will continuously create and desire new things all the time. And it is in the newness that they will be living forever. So everything will always be new for them. Nothing will become uh, stale and uh, remain old for people. You know, the idea in many materialistic people's minds is that here in this world, we have things around us and we can do things and 
which is also very boring and tedious you know, if, if you want to look at it that way. But in Jannah, it's kind of boring place. What are you going to do forever? <laughs> so Allah will create uh, your ability to create in Jannah. So you will be dynamically involved with your environment and everything. And you will want new things and you will be uh, gaining new things and new abilities and eating food and fruits that every bite of the fruit of Jannah will be different from the first bite. So how, how do you, you know, process all of this in this world which is very limited by time and space and how are you going to do that for eternity, which is why it's beyond our imagination, right? As the Prophet said, it's beyond our imagination. That the thought never occurred on the heart of a, of a human being what Jannah is like. There's no comparison. Yeah, so when Allah says, Allahumma yashaun, whatever they desire, then you will not stop desiring. That's what it means by in the Rabbihim, with their Lord. The Lord is obviously permanent, al-baqi, so with his permanence, you're going to be perpetually desiring. You will always have a mashia there. You'll have something that gives you ishtiha and desire all the time with Allah subhanahu wa Allah will now provide you the ability to create and uh, your creativity, your imagination will be beyond your uh, imagination. So it's a very dynamic place. It's not boring. So you want to compare this, uh, the jannat, uh, the gardens, and you have greenery and you have water and all of that. You want to compare it to an island in this world? It doesn't work. Because there's not much you can do in an island here, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, you can. If you want to waste your time for three months, it's fine. You can do whatever you want. But even that becomes boring and tedious. So nothing in Jannah will become boring or tedious or monotonous. It will be perpetually, dynamically creating and creative. Yeah, so we must appreciate this so that we don't get bogged down by these materialists and these hedonists and these people who are uh, totally sarcastic about Jannah and so on. So they will, their, their imagination will be, unfortunately, if they don't repent, it will be stifled and it will become stagnant. They won't have any imagination in the other place. You won't get what you want in the other place. In this place, you'll get what you want. But the key is you will always want. As I said, every taste of a fruit in Jannah will be better than the previous taste. So you will want to eat the next taste, the next taste also, the next bite in that sense. And then each bite will last, the taste of each bite will last for years in your mouth. This is how you are going to spend all that eternity there, endless bliss and so on. That is the greatest of fathers. He is, or this is, the greatest of fathers, the greatest of bounties and bonuses and surpluses and grace, if you want to call it that. 
Right, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that it is something for you to concede that your imagination is not big enough, strong enough, potent enough to understand how endless bliss can be conceived. It is beyond your conception and beyond your perception. Yeah. So that, that is how Allah is now saying. But this will be in exchange for applying Allah's laws in this world. Okay. So this world is mazra'ah, is a farm for the akhirah, as the Prophet said. So you farm here and your harvest will be in Jannah. Okay. But if you don't farm here, you know, you'll have no harvest over there. And if you don't have any harvest, then you'll have punishment. And that is a very natural cause and effect approach to understanding this. Anyway, this is the one that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who is giving you glad tidings, his servants, his servants receive glad tidings from Allah. Those who do good deeds, those who believe, and do good deeds. In the discussion of good deeds, there are so many different types of good deeds and so many different good deeds individually also. So just understanding the different types of good deeds will give you a sense of different types of rewards on the Day of Judgment and in Jannah. So every deed has a specific reward and those rewards will be. Uh, now, according to the ikhlas, sincerity of the deed that was performed and according to the acceptance of Allah and according to the duration of the good deed and so on. قُلْ لَا أَسْأَلُكُمْ عَلَيْهِ أَجْرًا إِلَّا الْمُوَدَّةَ فِي الْقُرْبَى Say, O Muhammad wasallam, that I ask you no compensation for this for this glad tiding and for this revelation and for this conveying of Allah's message to you, I ask nothing of you, except perhaps I can ask you of now kindness in terms of relationships, that this is something which is humanly understandable. This is not a reward for what I'm asking you. It is something that you should do out of human relationships, that you should be kind to each other as relatives. The word illa for those who know Arabic will be in the meaning of lakin and so on, not illa. So anyway, so that is how we see that Allah is saying that the very least I can expect of you and from you is that you'll maintain your ties as relatives with me and my followers. You don't need to sever those ties because that is a very normal, very natural relationships. And I expect that you will carry this over. So meaning that in terms of establishing relationships with Allah and people, then there are some normal natural relationships and this is one of your natural relationships and I think you as human beings should concede that you will care for your parents, you'll care for your children, you'll care for your siblings and you'll care for your aunts and uncles and cousins etc. The very least you can do is that, yeah, we don't want any money, 
Uh, we don't want any name or fame or compensation, but we would uh, appreciate this continues as part of the human discussion of relationships. And whoever procures a good deed, indeed, we will increase him in that, in the goodness of that good deed. We will increase it in beauty. And so, meaning that on the Day of Judgment, the good deed will be translated into a different form of reward, and that reward will continue to grow and continue to grow and continue to now become more and more um, uh, beautiful in the eye of the perceiver and so on. Lahum ajrun ghayru mamnoon, as the other eye of the Quran says, that they have now um, an limitless now ajr and reward from Allah. Okay, so meaning that once a reward is established for you in Jannah, that reward will continue in its beauty and it will continue in its giving. It will not, uh, repl- it will not become deplete. Mm. That if you have a fruit in Jannah, then the fruit will continue to give you and so on. So that is the meaning of this, that uh, good deeds will produce goodness. That's the meaning of this. There's always more goodness coming from uh, good deeds. Hasana is uh, slightly different than ibadah, as you know. Hasan is any good deed where ibadah is specifically that which is designed for the worship of Allah and so on. So we will, now if you have good deeds here, you, you, you build a well and you maintain ties with your relatives and you, you have a sadqa jariya, continuous donation uh, and charity after you die, then that is going to continue with you and for you even after you die, and so on. So the nazid there is that we continue and we increase it for that person uh, all the time. So Allah does this. Mm. It's similar to the hadith in that hasanu Qur'an bi aswatikum fa'inna sawt al-hasan yazid al-Qur'an husna. Beautify the Qur'an with your voices because your good voice uh, increases the beauty of the Qur'an. Mm. I mean, the Qur'an is already beautiful, but a beautiful voice will enhance further the beauty of the Qur'an. So in a similar vein here, this ayah is referring to that. Inna Allah ghafoorun shakoor. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very forgiving. Very forgiving ghafoor. Shakur Nan is very grateful, extremely forgiving, extremely grateful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards you and forgives you for almost no reason. Give Allah a reason to forgive you and He will. That's how gracious, accommodating, and forgiving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. And there's so many hadith that speak about Allah forgiving so many people for so many different reasons, big and small. So Allah is ever forgiving. All you have to do is ask Him for forgiveness and He will forgive you if you repent and you show remorse, etc. Shakur, Allah is so grateful that for one deed, He promises you ten times reward. So no one is more appreciative of the actions of human beings than Allah, 
who is going to give you ten times reward for any deed? Uh, this is for every deed. Okay, you do a good job at work and your boss gives you a bonus, uh, but then he will never give you a bonus afterwards. Uh, Allah is saying that I'll give you a bonus all the time. Small deed or big deed? Whoever brings a good deed, then he'll have ten times his like. Uh, so in terms of reward. So no one appreciates the good deeds of human beings more than Allah, and the way he proves this is by rewarding the person at least ten times more than he actually deserves. Now, that means that that's one two things have to happen. One is that the deed has to be accepted by Allah, and that requires that the deed is performed correctly with the right mechanics and the fiqh and also with the right sincerity. That needs to happen first. Now, barring that, your deeds aren't accepted anyway. Okay, so shakur means that Allah will forgive you for the incompetence with which you do the good deed, uh, and then he will accept the bad deed, as a, meaning the in, imperfect good deed he will accept as a perfect good deed, and then he will reward you on that imperfect good deed for uh, the a good deed that is now ten times is like. So that's how you see the follow of Allah coming into place. So you do two rakat salat. Now you know the nature of the way we do salat is pathetic. So there's no way in Allah's eyes uh, mathematically that the salat is accepted. Because either there's a lack of sincerity or there's a lack of the mechanics and the khushu and the devotion, dedication, concentration that's needed. Okay, so that's a given. So what does Allah do? So, okay, okay, I'll forgive the idea that's an imperfect salat. I'll just give you reward for the salat. But then on top of that, I'm going to give you ten times the reward of this salat, which is imperfect. So in that sense, ghafoor and shakur go together. Forgiving the imperfection in the good deeds, and then rewarding the imperfect deeds as perfect deeds. And ten times more, at least ten times, the Qur'an says, uh, this is uh, in terms of kabir. In the previous ayah, this is Allah's great fadl and bounty and grace and rahmah and whatever you like to call it. Yeah. So this is how... You will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being grateful and being forgiving. So forgiveness is of sins. Okay, that's a given. But there's forgiveness in accepting the imperfection in deeds and of deeds. That none of our deeds measure up to the level of acceptance. So Allah first of all brings that deed up to the level of acceptance and then rewards you for it. So you can you cannot find a better, uh, more generous being, and accommodating and forgiving being than Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. I mean, God forbid anybody wants to do this in the company. Uh, the company uh, would not function for a day if the employee of a company did this to the employees every day. Then you wouldn't have a company. <laughs> the productivity productivity will be zero. Uh, but in the factory of the world, 
and the employment of human beings to doing good deeds. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're all imperfect. There's no perfect deed that any employee does except perhaps the prophets, And so everybody else, Allah enough forgives. Imperfect deeds, I will forgive your imperfection. Then after the forgiveness of the imperfection, you have the reward, which is at least ten times. And that is how you must appropriate all the nusuls into this statement. Inna Allah ghafurun shakur. So this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, and that's the way he is with his employees, if you want to call it that, which is mentioned in a hadith that speak about uh, employment and good deeds as employments and so on. Anyway, it's a good analogy and a very good parable that Prophet used. Alhamdulillah. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when you fulfill Allah's commands and you follow the sharia that Allah prescribes, then there is the guarantee that Allah will reward you even though you may implement the law imperfectly. Mm. Right? As long as you know how to do it. The key is you must know how to perform the act. And if you perform the act after knowing imperfectly, then there is ufran there, ufran. Uh, so we ask you for your forgiveness and so on. So the Prophet said that if somebody now knows how to perform ishtihad and he has the tools and means and ability to do ishtihad, and while in ishtihad he performs ishtihad and he makes a mistake. If he gets it right, he gets two rewards. But if he makes a mistake, the Prophet said, he gets one reward. <laughs> so you can't be more forgiving than Allah, even in matters of legislation. I mean, this is for the legislator, right? They make an ishtihad at the level of the Khadi and the judge and the hakim and so on. So even if, if you are to make a mistake through your ishtihad, that Allah will forgive your imperfection. And more than that, he'll forgive your mistake. More than that, he'll reward you one for your mistake. In Allah ghafoor and shakur. So this applies to law also, as it applies to the idea of shura, which is what the surah is about. So you see now Allah is shakur, that Allah appreciates the efforts of people in terms of understanding his hukum which is one of the greatest forms of ibadah and social participation and so on. Anyway, you can extend it to any which way you want to in terms of the Islamic uh, idea and ideal of social interaction and so on. So this is how you see that if you make a mistake in keeping ties with your relatives, but you keep ties with your relatives, then that, even that, Allah will forgive. Uh, hopefully, inshallah, and you'll be rewarded for making the effort of keeping ties with your relatives, and so on. Right. That you are fabricating lies against Allah. 
that Allah is not, not saying this at all, you are fabricating these lies. And that's what they say, that all of these ahkam and rules and regulations you are now giving us, they're not really from Allah, they're from you. And you have invented these ideas. If Allah wanted to, he could have definitely sealed your heart, O Muhammad wasallam. if that's the case in their minds. Meaning that this level of knowledge and this type of knowledge and this level of cohesiveness and this perfection in the design of the law requires that you have an open mind and your inner abilities are pure and they're very transparent. Yeah. Meaning that you're not a madman, you're completely in control of your emotions, you're completely sane, you're completely methodical, you're completely coherent and cogent in everything you say and everything you say is organized. How then can they say this is fabrication? If there's a fabrication against Allah, then the person who fabricates is someone whose heart Allah has sealed. But that's not the case. Allah has not sealed your heart because everything you say is cogent, coherent, consistent. So meaning that this level and this nature of knowledge doesn't come to someone who fabricates lies against Allah because that's a great sin, that's a great crime. Okay, the effect of that sin on the mind is that the mind becomes confused at the very least. As you can see with the worldly legislators, they're confused. There's no consistency in their methodology, there's no consistency in their conclusions, etc. But with this system of thinking and law, there's so much coherency, consistency, and it's so cogent and it's so pure and easy to understand. So there's no way Allah has sealed your heart. Therefore, there's no way you have fabricated lies against Allah. That's the logic of this ayah. You have to go back and see how this works in terms of a debate. And if Allah wanted, Allah would have totally erased the batil and the lie and uh, so on, yeah, the falsehood. No. So this is now the, the, the falsehood. So since this is not falsehood because it's consistent, coherent, and cogent, Allah did not do that. And if he wanted to, he would have eradicated the falsehood and he could have completely materialized and realized the truth with all his means of speaking, all his means of speech, and uh, so on. Indeed, he is the one who is now aware and knowing of what is in the hearts of people. He knows the people with hearts, those with hearts, meaning he knows their ideas, their intentions, and so on. So he knows what's in your heart, and he knows what you think, and he knows what you know, he knows what you understand, what you comprehend. And he definitely knows that you are not someone who fabricates lies against Allah. So there's a kind of in the social order of things today, uh, whether you're an apologetic Muslim or whatever type of Muslim you want to be, okay, that people don't appreciate uh, that human beings do have access to knowledge that is given to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And they do, they are able to read Wahi 
the way the Sahaba and the Tabi'in read Wahi, and they are not fabricating lies against Allah and the Rasul and Islam. It's not something that they are now inventing themselves. It's something that they have understood. And uh, the truth is now in front of us. And we follow the Prophet وسلم, uh, because he only spoke the truth. And, um, so this is how Allah is now saying to the people who are now going to establish shura, that internally, if you make a mistake in your shura, in your ijtihad, then you must remember and understand, appreciate. Allah gives that person who makes an ijtihadi mistake a reward. So you have to be careful. You don't condemn someone uh, if they do make a mistake to the degree uh, that you uh, also go excommunicate with him. You make takfir of him. So you shouldn't do that. You should accommodate that. As long as his, uh, the methodology is coherent and consistent, etc. On the other side, externally, for those who don't believe in Allah's laws, Allah's rules and regulations, they must know that if you are going to do this, then you must test the system of thinking and your methodology and the, the conclusions of your legislation against rules of consistency and coherency. And you will find that they fail. There's always going to be inconsistency, incoherences in every man-made law. وَهُوَ الَّذِي يَقْبُلُ التَّوْبَةَ عَنْ عِبَادِهِ وَيَعْفُوْ عَنِ السَّيِّعَاتِ وَيَعْلُوْ مَا تَفْعَلُونَ وَيَسْتَجِيبُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَيَزِيدُهُمْ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ وَالْكَافِرُونَ لَهُمْ عَذَابٍ شَدِيدٍ Another aqeedah that we have from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He is the one who accepts tawbah from His servants. Tawbah is when you accept that you have made a mistake or you have committed a sin and you ask Allah for forgiveness. When you ask Allah for forgiveness with this remorse and with this um, acceptance, which also means Islam, okay, then Allah will accept your tawbah. That is an aqidah that we have in Islam. So Allah does accept the tawbah from any of his servants, if their tawbah is sincere and genuine. And then more than that, And he pardons the misdeed, the bad deed. He'll uh, overlook it, you can say. He'll overlook that as a bad deed, as a, as a sin, and he will not punish you for that. And he knows what you do. So there's that God consciousness and awareness that Allah is here. Allah knows exactly what we think, what we say, what we do, etc. And then invariably we make mistakes and invariably we need to make tawbah all the time. So the ro role of a shura is that they must point out mistakes of each other and they must allow people to make tawbah and they must assume that people are making tawbah from their sins and mistakes and they must accommodate them and not ostracize them because Allah knows what they do, etc. But it's in the zahir that they must be willing to accept their mistakes also and confess, so to speak, that this is a mistake and then move forward from there and not to you know, bring back all the bad deeds of people from the past all the time. So this is how Allah behaves with human beings, and human beings are uh, 
you know, supposed to copy Allah's behavior. In this uh, approach towards understanding each other's role in legislation and in shura. Yeah. And this is now part of the sharia of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And then more than that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he answers the calls and the prayers and the du'as of those who believe in good, do good deeds. Yeah. Yeah. So now when he accepts the tawbah, he forgives them for their mistakes and sins. Number two, he accepts their du'as. So if you now commit a mistake or a sin, and then you ask Allah to uh, accept your du'a, you're asking for a bonus and for something more than that which you deserve. So that's what Allah says, وَيَزِيدُهُمْ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ He increases them from his fadl, from his grace and bounty. He increases them all the time. This is how shakur and ghafoor he is. He's so forgiving and he is so grateful that he does this, even though people confess that they make mistakes and they commit sins. And despite them doing that, if they ask Allah, if they turn to Allah and ask them for something, then Allah will grant them that desire, that wish that they want in some way, shape or form. And then he'll give them more than that. He'll give them more than what they ask for. And this is how grateful Allah is with his servants. As long as they follow his uh, now sharia and so on. So if they follow this, this is part of sharia. Tawbah is part of sharia. Asking for forgiveness is part of sharia. Asking Allah for dua and making dua to Allah is part of sharia. These are all part of Islamic law. This is part of our law. This is the way we live, this is the way we behave, etc. And that is how Allah now gives. So he's very generous to those who appreciate and submit and surrender. However, those who don't, those who disbelieve, they do not like the idea of implementing Allah's rules and Allah's law. Then for them, there's a doom, there's a punishment which is very severe. And that is that they won't have any reward. And in the absence of rewards, there can only be one thing, and that is punishment. So being deprived of good deeds and being deprived of a good outcome and a good reward, that in itself is a punishment, that in itself is a curse. So throughout the surah, Allah subhanahu wa is saying that Allah is revealing this book to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and he is revealing the truth to him in every way, shape and form, comprehensively. So in terms of ibadah, he's revealing to the Prophet that they should worship no one except Allah. And in terms of life, in terms of law and order, Allah is revealing to the Prophet the details and the principles of law so that they can think through those principles how to understand Allah's will. Hmm. So wahi is nothing except uh, the manifestation of Allah's will in words to a Nabi. Mm. That Allah now through words reveals to the Prophet what his will is, what his intent and what his desire is. And then the Nabi translates Allah's will in his language to the people. And then the people understand what they understand about Allah's will, Allah's murad. What is the murad of Allah? 
what does Allah will me to do here in this situation, in this context? And that is now how you get law. That's what law is. Law is reading Allah's will. That's all it is. When you read somebody's will, after he dies, what, what are you doing? Why, why is it called a will? Because that's what he wants you to do with his money. That's his law regarding his estate. So that's how we must see the Allah's will being translated through words uh, to the Prophet وسلم, and then to the Sahaba and others who follow them that we read Allah's words through them and then we implement Allah's will uh, which is inside of his word. And so whether you call it Allah's word or Allah's will, it really doesn't matter. It's the same thing. Effectively, it's the same thing. Anyway, this is in, in the terms of the shura, mutual consultation, that uh, Muslims, when they want to run a government and they want to effect Islamic law, they need all of these values and attributes within them and within the community so that you can effectively witness Allah's will and Allah's order in front of you. We make dua Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to read the Qur'an, recite the Qur'an, and allows us to understand the Qur'an, and allows us to implement the Qur'an with ease and comfort. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayri khalqi. Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahabihi ajma'in. Bi rahmatuni wa rahmatuni.